0: Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902 902- four nine nine five seven one seven trust me when all is said and done we'll be saying tim eisner strikes again
1: hey what is going on everyone welcome to episode 92 of outside the shoot i'm your host randy frame Had a little bit of a break there between episodes. Unfortunately, I had a a bad bout with COVID, but uh, pretty much all over now and uh, ready to get back to showcasing our awesome game. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from the Marlboro High School Lady Dukes as Ava Del Sato takes home the weekly honors. Ava went 10 for 12 with four home runs and 13 RBIs, along with firing a no-hitter with 10 Ks in their opening game of the season this past week. Awesome job, Ava. Best of luck the rest of the season. On to this week's guest and we sat down and chatted with ISC and WBSC Hall of Famer and current head coach of the New Zealand Black Sox, one of the best to ever play the game, Mark Sorensen. I'm not even sure where to begin when talking about Mark's accomplishments in the game. Uh, he's a four-time ISF World Champion with the Black Sox as a player, first with, with his first coming at 16 years of age in 1984, and that's just crazy. Uh, Mark would play in 18 ISC World tournaments, where he'd go on to win four World titles and be named to 12 All-World teams along the way, as well as an MVP award. As a coach, Mark would guide the Black Sox to a WBSC title in 2017 in Whitehorse, and will be looking to get back on the podium this November at home in New Zealand. We're going to talk to Mark about getting a start in the game in his hometown of Hutt Valley, his travels over North America to play on the ISC circuit during its heyday, those world title wins with the Black Sox, and much, much more. Hopi and I were absolutely privileged to be able to sit down and chat with Mark. Uh, to hear his stories about playing our game was awesome, and I'm sure everyone that hears this is going to thoroughly enjoy it. With that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go.
2: I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. My action is on, Ain't never felt this freedom Could you, could you say that anything goes
1: Good. How are you? Good. Let's talk over each other. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's what you normally do. You don't let me talk. Man,
1: we're, we're, we're back again.
3: Yes, sir. Finally. A little layoff. Yeah. You had your little COVID scare oh, and your COVID Jesus in your house. Man. and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I I, I, said I, w- I said I wanted to get, get it over with, but man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. it took me out. Yeah. I was in bed for five days and...
3: Well, you're a bit of a pansy to be honest, because most right. people just get it and they have a cold. Yeah, no, You were in bed for five days. That's what happens. I mean, that's fine.
1: Yeah. That's because you're old. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I like we were talking about this, and I I, I, I I just got my smell and taste back. I think, and
3: yeah, that's weird. Did did you?
1: You didn't lose yours? At I all? didn't
3: lose my smell or taste. No, I had a bad headache first night, then basically a head cold, and just tired for yeah. almost two weeks. I was tired. It's weird, man. It it but. affects people
1: differently differently yeah for sure like uh, there's a guy at work that you know he he's not vaccinated and he got it and hardly had a thing and he's like "Uh uh-huh so you know
3: yeah but then you get a guy like jonah Wright, our friend who got it and then he has something the after effects of that he had trouble breathing he wasn't allowed to do anything for like a couple months or something like that Real, yeah and that guy's a gym rat i know I know. As you know, he has more hair in his back than his head, but he's a gym rat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we got the uh, Pan Am qualifiers going on. Uh.
3: Yeah, I've been following it a little bit. Uh, there's, They're not streaming any of those games, of course. They're yeah. only going to stream the the actual championship games yeah. or the, the tournament games. Yeah. But uh, Canada is 2-0 currently in their exhibition season. Hmm. They beat a club team 4-1 and beat Venezuela last night 1-0 on a Derek Mason walk
1: Oh, Mason! sixth
3: inning. Mason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Man. Yeah. Close, I close teams. The stats. Yeah. Yeah, the, they're, that was definitely a close game. I, uh, Zach Pierce started the game, and then uh, Sean Cleary came in and mopped up. They both had seven strikeouts, I believe. Nice. So they did well, yeah. yeah. They play Argentina. I think they're playing them right now, as right we now. speak.
1: As we speak, this Thursday. Thursday, yeah. 21st,
3: so, yeah. 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 Tournament starts on the 24th, I think, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, they play against Colombia to start the tournament. Right on. Yeah. So best of luck to those guys. And, uh, well, you know, best of luck to all the all the teams i guess it's
1: gonna be nice to you know watch some ball again on online like some yeah, top end, top end ball from the from the men's side absolutely yeah so
3: uh yeah be interesting to watch hopefully they do well absolutely there's one person i wish that was there and you do too yeah but
1: anyway aside
3: from sorry for that it's
1: what it is it was what it is yeah we uh we got a pretty pretty big guest today
3: yeah not a bad one
1: <laughs> man i'm excited for this like yeah Talking to one of, legit, we're playing talking to one of the best that ever played the game. Yeah. Mark Sorensen.
3: Some people will just claim he is the best that ever played the yeah,
1: game. Yeah. He's he's done it all. I mean, <laughs> played in eighteen ISCs and got an all world twelve times. Yeah, it's pretty good. should ask him what happened to the other six. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on, Come on, Someone batted 566, yeah. and he only batted 565. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so uh, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. And, and like I was saying earlier, I mean, I, I listened to his, his podcast with the, you know, the boys down down there, Chopper, Damien, being on yeah. the dugout, and it was a fantastic job. Yeah. He uh, had a lot of great stories. A uh, uh, couple I'm definitely going to touch on. Yeah, for, for sure. Him to, for him to to talk about again because <laughs> they're pretty funny yeah so uh anyway yeah it's uh it's gonna be an honor to actually talk to Merrick and uh and see what he has to say
3: yeah 100 percent. looking forward to uh the weather's starting to turn around a little bit now it's still mm-hmm. cold outside but it's starting to it's really windy. Starting yeah, to dry up a little bit, so hopefully we can get out in the ball field pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, you attended uh, the the skill session last night with the the kids. You yeah, saw.
1: a lot of a gr- lot of kids, man. Yeah, so yeah. we
3: had uh, two groups. Uh, we were missing a couple kids uh, due to work or whatever, but mm. um, we had twenty two kids in the first session and eighteen in the second session. So yeah. it was it was good. Some uh, and lots of help too. Good looking, promise there. Yeah, lots of talent for sure. Yeah, yeah. Casey McGuire's young fella, oh, man. old Casey.
1: Casey, it's funny. Uh, When I was I was watching the groups and stuff and, and, and Brody Frazier was standing next to me and, and I was watching Keegan there throwing the ball. And I was like, who's like lefty throwing the ball? And, (laughs) And Brody was like, oh, uh. He's trying to tell me that. And then I saw him like walk, walk, yeah. walk and I was like, Casey. that's Casey's son. <laughs> that is Keegan. Too and funny. so, and Brody, he's like, yeah, that's it. McGuire." Yeah. And, and so we had a good laugh over that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Keegan shows, he shows a lot of promise. For oh my sure. God. The kid throws the ball freaking hard right now. <laughs> I guess doesn't he know does. where it's going, but he throws it hard. <laughs> yeah.
3: He throws it hard. No, it's good. Yeah. I'm excited for the kids. Uh, you know, having that many kids at our camp, it's good for minor ball. Absolutely. spring. Yeah, absolutely. For sure.
1: Anyway, let's uh, let's get to Mark and uh, hear his story and uh, see what he has to say. Okay, sounds All right. good. Yo. All right, here we go. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
4: Oh no, it's great to be involved. How? It's amazing what technology can do with us being on uh, in different parts of the world. It, it took
1: a little bit of time, but um, we, yeah. we discussed that before. But uh, <laughs> How's things going down in New Zealand today?
4: Uh, not too bad, not too bad. We're we're, uh, we're into our autumn uh, at the moment, so it's uh, typically a pretty settled time of year for us. And, and uh, part of the year that I really like, nice warm days, cool nights. So I don't know. It's probably uh, sort of seventy-five. Oh, you guys are like us. Yeah, We're Celsius. It's about 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. Sorry.
1: Oh, yeah.
4: So it's not too bad. Calm, uh, clear skies. So beautiful. Yeah, great time of year.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, I, I love autumn. It's my favorite time of year as well. Though. Yeah. So, ha- how did the summer go? I mean, are, are you guys? You guys are still under some restrictions down there, are you not?
4: No, we just um, – 10 days ago, we just came out of oh, okay. uh, well, what is red. We've gone to orange now, but it's basically opened the doors to a little bit more normality. Mm. Uh, so, you know, for, for instance, sports venues that previously could only have 100, uh, 100 people involved now, it's, it's, it's pretty much open. This last weekend was the first weekend of unrestricted um, attending of sports. So we um, – actually it was two weekends ago so we, we took our daughter and and went to a rugby game um, nice. and there was probably uh, 15 16,000 there which is great which is you know a good start to getting people back in through the turnstiles to help you know sports get by
1: yes yeah, yeah. absolutely what what do they usually get for crowds over there i mean
4: well they would um, they would go into the 20s for mm. uh, typically for this this game that we went and watched but I think sort of first step. There was a lot, you know, a lot of people keen to get out there. But like anything, you know, I guess we've been under restrictions for so long that people are still a little bit cautious yeah. um, and you know take a little bit of time to get their confidence back with going out to those things. So yeah, I think that normally mid twenties uh, would be for a game like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a start anyway. And, and it, you know, it was a beautiful day afternoon game. We you know, most of the games are normally evening time. So. You know, afternoon games to a lot more families there, a lot more kids um, watching the game, which is great.
1: Excellent, yeah, absolutely. Now, have you have you been out, you guys been able to do anything like uh, as far as the Black Sox go, like in the last little bit or, or on hold?
4: No, we've we've uh, we've had a really tough uh, tough summer. Uh, we uh, Auckland our biggest region here was shut down pretty much for 3 months and you know half of my squad or more than half of my squad is based up there and they i think the the leading clubs played 5 games this oh, God. season. oh jeez. Uh, so for all all summer long yeah they they sort of just came out before Christmas then we're going to kick it off after Christmas and then they started and then Omicron hit and and restrictions went back in again and uh, people caught it and, you know, games were deferred. And mm-hmm. so it, it made it really challenging and, and I think we're all getting to the stage of a little bit of um, online fatigue. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's only a certain amount of uh, Zoom calls and Google Meets that you can do to – to keep the level of enthusiasm there, so yep. um, we've um, we've put in place a camp, uh, a really a get together camp for the middle of next month, where it'll be the first time that we've had the squad together uh, as a full group um, oh. for over a year. Wow! Which <laughs> for a program like ours is is you know pretty amazing. Oh yeah, um, for sure. And it would, you know. In fact, uh, by the time we we have that camp, it will be three years since we last played a game together. Holy jump! As a national team,
1: that's crazy. Yeah, you guys were uh, you guys were planning on uh, something in Australia for April originally, were you not?
4: That's right. This weekend it was. It, it's ANZAC weekend, which is. Uh, uh, Historical holiday right. um, here, and, and we were having an Anzac series with the Australians. Uh, but because of the impact of of the pandemic, um, it delayed all of the Australian national events, which have only happened in the last couple of weeks. So they didn't feel that they were going to be in a position to host us. Um, so uh, yeah, they pushed it originally. They pushed it back to uh, in a month's time. Uh, sort of mid late May and then they pulled the pin on it. So
1: mm.
4: we're really looking forward to that. You know, to one to to get back on the diamond as a group again, but also um, to 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 get out of the borders. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's like a little little bit of cabin fever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to go searching for my passport. It, it, it's been <laughs> idle for the longest period of its uh, existence. Yeah.
1: Now it, has has this affected uh, anything as far as you know uh, moving forward with the WBSC World Cup, as far as you know, sponsorship and or anything like that, or is everything you know still full steam ahead on on that on that front?
4: No, I, I'm led to believe it's it's progressing uh, really well, and the step that the government has made with uh, changing restrictions in the last few weeks has been a another box ticked for us. You know, so it means that uh, we were a little bit nervous if they were going to be. The level of restrictions in place that we had previously had, so right. we've opened our borders to Australia um, just this past week, and then it'll be to the rest of the world um, later in the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks in the next month, I think it is. Uh, so it's sort of progressing really well. They've, they've uh, I know they've, uh, they're in the process of um, redoing all of the fields, so all of the surfaces. Um, the local council. Up in uh, North Harbour is um, has re- is resurfacing everything and improving the drainage and mm-hmm. uh, putting in some more facilities and stuff, which they did initially back in 2013, which is the last time it was held here. Right. So it's a really well supported area um, for softball, and and they're they're investing something like half a million bucks on improving facilities and stuff. So wow. from that that angle, it's uh, progressing well. But I, I don't think all uh, I don't think all countries have qualified just yet. Um, oh, I think right there's right. still some qualification. And maybe it might be the Americas one, which is next month. Yes, I thought.
1: I think so. I think so. I know they're they're doing their. I know it's Pan Am qualifiers, like yeah, right starting now. this weekend.
4: Uh the
3: twenty fourth. Yeah, yeah, uh, Canada that right.
1: they're doing right now. But uh, yeah, I think you might. I think next next month might be the uh, the World Cup because
4: it was delayed as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right too. Now we'll get back into, we'll get back into the the Black Sox and what's coming up here a little bit in, in a little bit here, but, uh, you know, with, with every guest that we have come on, uh, we get to ask, how, how'd you get your start in the game?
4: Oh, my dad played, um, uh, my dad played for the national team. Uh, they weren't the Black Sox then, but, um, he, he was a uh, first base, um, and played for the New Zealand softball team from 1966 through to '76. Um, so, I um, I think I was at my first softball tournament from from when I was about two or three weeks old. So, uh, <laughs> you know, because mum and dad were heavily involved locally, and uh, you know, you 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 get dragged around, and, and it was uh, it wasn't long. You know, you have a, you've got a glove on your hand and. You're throwing a ball and you're you're in the outfield shagging fly balls and you want to be like them and it it was, I think it was only natural that I, you know, I followed in dad's footsteps.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously your parents, especially dad, had to be a big influence in your career growing up, right?
4: Oh, for sure. You know, just through the sheer amount of time you spend together, you know, and and whenever there was an opportunity to go to um, go to the, some of those tournaments, when you when you got old enough, you you're always talking about the game. You're asking questions about the game and why and how and where and you know. you wanting to be, or for me, it was I was always wanting to be like those guys and and, and play alongside them. Um, you know, and then you get to that stage, and I think I, I played my first game of you know like senior ball when when I was fourteen. <laughs> so, you know, these are guys that, that a couple of years before I was a bat boy for uh, that, you know, then I'm, I'm playing alongside them. So, uh, and then, yeah, it goes from, I guess, from one thing to another, you know, and you, you, you aspire for me, it was about aspiring to be better. Um, each time you went out there, no matter what team you played for, and you know, the development came along uh, from there.
1: Yeah. You, you played like, like you mentioned there, your first senior game, that, that was with Hutt Valley Cardinals, correct?
4: That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was my uh, club. Mum and dad were involved with um, all of, you know, all of Dad's playing career, Um, and the same for me. All of all of my career played with uh, the same club. So,
1: what was it like, you know, being fourteen? Yeah, (laughs) fourteen, and and playing with like grown men like that. Like that's crazy to think about.
4: Yeah, it it's it's so long ago now. Actually, (laughs) but you. it was a bit intimidating to start with, but yeah, you, you know, it, I I think at the time, you know, I really just approached it that it, it was just a game. Mm. You know, I was just going out playing a game that I'd played all of my life and and loved it. It was just the ball was coming a little bit quicker, and you know, the guys that uh, that I was playing against were shaving more often than I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. So
1: like
0: <laughs> for a while, <laughs> for
1: a while, right? Yeah. But uh- yeah. So, I mean, uh, like those first couple of years, what were some of the things that, I mean, that you took with you that, you know, as you progressed that, that you took with you? Was there anything like those first couple of years that, you know, you were able to take with you?
4: Well, it was about, um, I, I learned really uh, quite early on that, you know, if, if I didn't believe in my own ability, then no one else would. Right. So, you know, to to have that confidence and belief in in my skills and ability, uh, was it was really aimed at taking the age factor out of it. Mm. You know, don't worry about how old you are. Um, but you got confidence that, you know, as, as a hitter you can go out and hit anybody that that gets uh you get put up against, you know, it, it changes the dynamic a little bit because there's that there's that fear factor that you know, athletes and young athletes have going out there, and, and a lot of it is driven. For me, it was driven around you know a, a lack of belief, right? You know, to start with. So uh, when you started believe, or when I started believing that I belonged, you know, and then you started to see uh, an improvement in performance. And and I'd always had, you know, always from from a young age, I'd always had a pretty good work ethic. You know, because always wanted to. You know, it's like most kids; you want to be out in the park, throwing a ball, hitting the ball, and that kind of transferred into my game. Is that you know, I wanted to when I was hitting, I wanted to, I wanted to take you know, just just another five cuts, just another five cuts, yeah. Let me take five. You know, um, always wanted to just work on it a little bit better, and, and uh, I guess that striving for perfection, um, and so work ethic was never was never a problem because I loved. Uh, working on my craft, I suppose it was more about that confidence. And you know, as, as you uh, when you're at that age, you you're still developing you, your own technique, and you're still growing. You mm-hmm. know, you, you're, still, yeah. you're still a kid, really. So, you know, with the physical growth over the you know over those next few years, you, it then saw my hitting style sort of change a little bit. Um, you know, my my swing plane flattened out a little bit more. Um, I, uh, my my contact percentage went up. You know, so my strikeouts went down, and it just how evolution sort of took over, and then once that started happening, just all of a sudden it was like uh, some pretty good performances started to follow. You know, and then and then I uh, was fortunate enough to make. The Black Sox is a 16-year-old, so I don't been playing for a couple of
3: years. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, thinking, we're not uh, laughing at you, by the way. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know,
3: 14, I gonna, 16. I was gonna ask that. I mean kids yeah. are still playing with toys when they're fourteen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like yeah. Let's jump into eighty-four. I mean, sixteen years old. I, I was shooting for a, a Bantam B provincials for for instance. Like, I mean <laughs> Yeah, and, you're
3: still in beard at your old man's fridge. <laughs>
1: like yeah. and, I mean, you're with the New Zealand Black Sox. I mean, first, I guess what was it like being named to the team at such a young age? And I guess second what do you recall about that ISFs, and you you guys well, went was, on to be a world champion?
4: Yeah, we did. Um, it was it was pretty surreal because you sort of started. I started the season. Uh, well, I started that season as a 15 year old. I turned 16 <laughs> uh, during that season here, and um, I, I I I remember the year starting out really well in the and sort of our preseason tournament and you know as the year wore on the um, m- my performance was fairly consistent at most events and it, it the noise you know started uh, growing I suppose started developing around the possibility of of making that team now I I was predominantly a catcher mm. um, at that age so you know uh, doing most of the catching for our cardinal side and um, that was the only area of concern was that you know such a, putting someone in such a key position at such a young age where yeah. you know catches take you got to take time to develop and um and I think I did over time, and certainly you know you got I got better behind the plate more from a game management point of view, but from raw, uh, raw skill and talent I suppose um, you know that was the thing that got me to the stage where you know we were in the cardinals uh, we had club rooms in those days um, with family and friends and and the team was named um, over the radio and yeah it was it was pretty surreal that <laughs> you know you hear your name be called out and you knew there's a chance and you're a little bit a little bit nervous a little bit anxious um, but it was you know, it was like, geez, if it's not now, there's there's still plenty of time left. <laughs> uh, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: But it was, uh, yeah, it, it did get read out and it was like, wow. Um but then, you know, I, I I went to school the next day. <laughs> high yeah. yeah so uh, all of a sudden, uh, my, yeah. my status at school improved, you know, the next day.
1: Yeah. Girls coming up to you and whatnot, what? Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah was, all of a sudden, uh, became a little bit more popular. <laughs> now,
1: do you, do you find, were you forced to grow up quickly playing in that kind of environment?
4: Yeah, you, you are. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so you, you know, it's, it's, in any team, and or I guess business team or whatever it may be, you, you know, I learned earlier is that um, with a new kid on the block, you keep, you, you keep your head down, you work hard, um, you know, you ask questions, you listen, you learn, and you wait your turn, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, certainly, you know, just about uh, great skills and values around growing up. Um, in life and but the, you know I, I do remember so on that trip we went to uh, we we're in California having a build-up tour and <laughs> the guys the guys were going out to a bar one night um, and it's and yeah I just got left at the hotel you, know, <laughs> you <you're> left here <laughs> you yeah. can't come with us uh, you know because you can't as 16 year olds no matter <laughs> yeah. how often you're shaving you can't fake a 20 year old ID. <laughs> yeah really <laughs> maybe as a 19 year old you could do but uh, not as a 16 year old yeah so i got the, the boys went out for a night and um Yeah, I got left at the hotel watching TV, I think. (laughs)
1: That's crazy. (laughs) Trying to picture that, like, oh, man. Yeah, I know. uh, Of course, I listened to your episode with Chopper and Damien on Beyond the Dugout, and it was such a fantastic episode, Uh, but you got to tell us the story about, you know, getting grounded for the
3: (laughs) the awards banquet. (laughs) Yeah, for our fans. We've already heard it, but our fans need to hear it. Yeah.
4: Yeah um <laughs> <laughs> well it, it 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 was that year um that I got named in the um uh, I got named in the Black Sox uh, for that that trip and during that uh, season there uh, in Wellington here where I live there's uh, the region is split into two areas in Hutt Valley which is where Cardinals is from and and I've played in the Hutt Valley as I said, my whole life, and then there's there's Wellington, and, and post Christmas there's there's a separate league for each area. So, post Christmas traditionally we would play in a, what's called an intercity league, and the top teams, top four from each, would play off, and uh, the bottom four would play off. Mm-hmm. And the players of the day at the time were given a bottle of Karuba rum, which uh, um, you know was was a sponsor of of the event. And I had a couple of uh, Player of the Day um, awards that I, I, I got at the end, of, after the final um, of the Intercity and, and then we also got given one uh, for making the Black Sox so uh, here's me as a 16 year old with I think I had three or four <laughs> bottles of um, Karuba rum well you know you you, you want to be a man so um, <laughs> crack, the, crack the lid off and start drinking away and um, I think uh, it was about uh, I'd by about eight o'clock that night, one of them had gone. Um, so in about three hours, uh, we, we'd knocked off a bottle of Caruba, And I think the guys realized that um, I wasn't in a real fit state to carry on. So uh, <laughs> they dropped me at home, uh, rang the doorbell and left. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't remember whether it was mum or dad, but they found me on the front porch, not in a great shape. Um, so... Took me up to bed, and unfortunately, um, had a little reflux later on, and um, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't stay down, um, so I, I was yeah pretty worse for wear. But a consequence of that was that I, I was grounded for um, for our our prize giving, which was the next week. So you know the the club prize giving in our club had sort of six or eight teams there and so there's I don't know maybe a hundred odd people um at the prize giving and, and I was allowed to turn up for our team prize giving and to receive an award for making the national side and then I had to go home uh, so yeah made the national team but uh, was grounded yeah. for the prize giving
1: oh when, when I heard that story there I, I laughed so hard I, I just I'm just picturing like you're on the New Zealand Black Sox, but you're, you're grounded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. That's a, such a great story. Now, Mark, I got to ask you about uh, how did the opportunity to come play over in Amer- North America take place.
4: Well, it sort of started, I think, uh, I'm trying to think when the first players went over there, maybe late 70s. Um, the first. New Zealanders went over there, and they were typically pitchers. Uh, and then they, you know, got a name for themselves. So New Zealand got a, a, a pretty good name with providing pitchers in sort of late seventies, eighties. You know, the um, the Kevin Hulahes and you know Paul McGanns and Steve Schultz and yeah, you know the name, the list names that could go on. And I guess from there they then started to look. So well, okay, if they got you know, really good pitching down there. They must have some decent players to be able to hit that pitching. So it sort of went from one stage to another. And then uh, some of the guys uh, got got an opportunity as position players to go over. And thankfully, um, the first guys that went over made a good fist of it. And so then, you know, the the clubs came knocking and looking for other players and, you know, then, you know, we, we, we play a sport that's got a pretty small yeah. um, world, yeah. you know, yeah. so it, it's a bit of a village really, isn't it? I mean, so, you yeah, you know, hey, we're looking for a good young catcher. Um, you got anyone down there? And it's like, yeah, so uh, Paul McGann, uh, no, it was Peter Meredith, sorry. Peter Meredith was playing with uh, Madison the Farm and they were looking for a catcher and then, yeah, long story short, they reached out and, you know, I went from, uh, I think, this time of year uh, play, uh, doing preseason rugby training for my local club to all of a sudden then being on the plane and headed to Madison, Wisconsin as an 18-year-old um, <laughs> for, for six months for first time away from home.
3: That's crazy. And
1: then, like, 18 years old going to the firm. Like, of all the yeah, teams, gosh, yeah. the firm, like, <laughs> yeah. they're world-renowned, like, yeah. the firm. What, uh, what do you remember about arriving there?
4: Well, I remember that Meredith picked me up. Uh, with Rod Peterson and on the first night and we were surprisingly they went drinking um, <laughs> <laughs> from the farm and uh, we were downtown in Madison and and I was yeah you know, I just traveled for you know 28 or 30 hours halfway around the world and you're going your time zones all messed up um, you know you're tired after travel and downtown but I, I was certainly starstruck because Madison, Is uh, a pretty cool place. Mm. And, you know, sort of April time, um, sort of April, I think it was late April that I went over there. UW Madison is still in. Um, So it's pretty active um, downtown there. Yep. So it, um, yeah, I I was, I think I was walking around with, with, uh, with my tongue hanging out dribbling the whole time, and I just in, in, awe, in awe of what I was seeing. Um, and then I turned around and Meredith was gone. Um, he'd uh, he'd, he'd uh, reconnected with an old friend and uh, he left me. Downtown. So thankfully,
1: halfway around the world, not knowing
4: knowing anyone. Um, Thankfully, one of his buddies who he introduced me to said, oh, Pete's gone. You better come with me for the night. I'll hook you back up with him tomorrow. So yeah, first night away in a different country, um, I'm stranded thinking, <laughs> oh, my gosh, where, where am I going to stay tonight? I've got all my gear. Uh, yeah.
1: Welcome to America. Thanks a lot, Welcome Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. What
4: do but you- I, I really enjoyed that year. You know, it was yeah. kind of a um, – Kind of a breakout year, I suppose. You know, you're, you're cutting the shackles and hmm. going overseas and playing with different players and different leagues and different areas and different interpretation. Yeah, you know how the game is played. So, um I, I, I think overall, I did okay that year. It wasn't it wasn't a banner year, but sort of it was more of a breakout than anything else.
1: What was it like playing uh, in that first ISC tournament?
4: Oh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. We—I remember. Unfortunately, we lost the game opening night. We played um, the Tulsa Firebirds, my um, first IC game, and it was a guy pitching for them called Mike Coombs, and a big old farm boy from you know um, Oklahoma, and and he just threw hard down and changed. and we we got beaten on a uh, uh, Meredith pitching. Uh, we got beaten on a bloop single. Where they scored one run, and that was kind of Meredith's, uh, I guess his mo with the farm was that he would keep them in games, but they couldn't score run. Yeah, rubs, that's right. Yeah, uh, you know for so long. Uh, but yeah, opening night it was in Sioux City, ironically, which is where I ended up. You know, spending a great deal of my career and had a lot of success. So on the main diamond in Sioux City, and and playing that. Um, and funnily enough, I ended up. I, I think I uh, I was hitting three to to start that event. Um, <laughs> uh, which is an you know, uh, I suppose as an 18 year old isn't a isn't a bad start for your first ISC. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a hit though, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's, but no, it's the
1: experience, it was, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. It 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 was really um what I found about the ISC there, it was really contagious mm-hmm. in that, you know, it made me want more. Because I could see, you know, these teams that are, you, know, you get through to Wednesday, Thursday, and the teams are still playing, and I hung around for a couple of days after, because uh, I was I was living with um, good Canadian boy Mike teachers
1: peaches,
4: peaches, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we stuck around for a couple of extra days and uh, watched a few more games, and and to see those teams that were 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 playing later in the week, mm-hmm. you know, it was like wow, the standard of ball here. Is really quite cool. Um, you know, oh, I want to be there. Um, I want to be a part of this. I want to, you know, I want to play on Friday and Saturday and get to championship game. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of that that led to that uh, that drive to uh, want to be better. But as I said, you know, it, uh, it was really contagious. I wanted to go back and and I left there with with a real buzz. You know, You're sort of on cloud nine. Go, wow, this is the standard I need to get to.
1: Yeah.
4: Um. You know, and how do we best do it?
1: So, what led to the move to Sioux City?
4: Um, well, uh, dollars, I suppose. Um, yeah. from uh, you know, it, it, it was a great year with the farm, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. They they I wasn't going to get to where I wanted to go by playing there. Right, You know, I I was playing with, um, and they're wonderful men and had a great year, but I I was playing with guys that were as old as my dad. Um, And they were, you know, if if they had a good run, they might get to Tuesday, Wednesday at that time. Right. You know, sort of 10 years later, um, they, you know, they became a force.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. but at that time, um, that wasn't going to help me get to where I wanted to go. Um, plus, my uh, Paul McGann, who I mentioned before, you know, he he was pitching with Steve Schultz at Sioux City, and both of them played had previously played for our Cardinals team. Uh, in fact, Steve Schultz had had boarded with my family, uh-huh. uh, so when it's he moved, yeah. yeah, when he moved from a place called. Lenham in the South Island up to Hutt Valley to play he he stayed with us so um, you've got a couple of guys that are like brothers to you that are encouraging you to go and play for this team they've got aspirations of going all the way I'd been to Sioux City the year before you know I I admired they they went deep in the tournament you know they got their own park Um, there were a lot of boxes that were ticked Mm. uh, and became you know in the end became quite an easy decision but yeah, and that was the start of, um, I guess, the building of, you know, a team that's probably still one of the better teams um, in the history of the game.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'd have some pretty good years there. I'd say. I mean, you'd be named your first All World in in '87, and win your first ISC title following your '88. Correct was when you won your first yeah, one. Yeah.
4: So that's right.
1: What was, what was life like for Mark Sorensen around this time? Must have been pretty 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 good, right?
4: Well, I came home and uh, proudly announced to my family that because I I was such an amazing commodity in the world of softball that I no longer had to do the dishes in the house (laughs) after dinner, that I couldn't uh, soften my hands in the the dish in the water. So my sisters uh, gave me uh, a short retort on that. Um, but I, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to elevate my seniority within the household, and, and, and that didn't happen uh, that successfully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, life life was pretty life was uh, life was pretty good. I mean, that I suppose those you know those first few years at, in Sioux City, we were just um, going from post to post. You know, we we were get we were winning, we were getting better each each week, we were improving each year. We had, you know, great – it was a great little town. There wasn't a great deal going on in Sioux City, but, mm. you know, it was a great ball town. Um, you, you know, we had a great sponsor, you know, good people supported. it. You had good fan support. It was fun to be involved with. You know, you, you, we played um, – you know, for, we probably played half our, our weekends of the year at home because everybody wanted to come to Sioux City and play. Right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a city park. It was owned by our sponsor. You know, so oh, yeah. um, you know, Friday night you would regularly have two or three thousand people coming to watch opening night of a of a weekend event. Wow, um, that's awesome. You know, then then you know, you, and and you'd have six or eight teams almost every week uh, mm. coming into play. So, you know, it was it was a fun it was a fun time, uh, but you know, also the travel and and getting around. Um, to most parts of, of North America during those years and meeting, you know, a whole bunch of awesome people that, uh, you know, to, still to this day, uh, you know, I can, I can, um, I can look up on them as being really great friends still.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right on. I got to ask about that 91 win in, uh, when you guys won in Sioux city, that must've been a pretty cool atmosphere to play in.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It, um, um, I think we really—that was the year after um, uh, Paul McGann and Steve Schultz were unfortunately killed in a car accident. Oh, that's right, two years. And you know, they yeah. they had been a big, uh, they'd been a big part of of the the growth and development of Sioux City over the years. You know, that happened in '90. Hmm. Um, so we were really riding, I suppose, on the crest of an emotional roller coaster. There, you know, having lost two. Of the key figures, you know, Schultz, was the first Kiwi on the side. Um, and I think he was there in about 85 or 86. And then Paul, um, I think he went a year later and then I, or maybe Paul and I, no, Paul and I joined together in 87, uh, but he had already been recruited. Um, so, you know, that, that'd been a big part of that development. So, you know, you we, we had a pitching staff of what, Michael White and um, Doug Middleton, you know Pete Sandman, Jesus. Um, and I'm pretty sure Jim Jim Wano, Jim Seaman at the time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, was was you know the fourth horse. <laughs> so you know you you had a pretty formidable staff, and and you know in, in all positions we um, you know we had we had all world type ball players, yeah. but. You know, and, and we always drew well and we always got great fan support. So the further it went in the week, um, you know, the 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 more you know the support was there. And I think um in fact we played undy in the final, didn't we? Um with Owen Sound.
3: That's right, yeah. Yep. That's right. In yep. 91. Yep. Yep.
4: Yeah, he, he he had a you know another one of his and sort of performances and took them all the way through. Um and you know, and we, we come to the table for the final going, okay, which one of these four guys do we want to throw out there? <laughs> um,
1: That's a great luxury. Gosh, yeah.
4: Yeah, a poor old Undy had carried the load. Yeah. Um, you know, offensively and defensively, I think he was always hit the, uh, Yeah. He hit, he hit three and and threw gas. Yeah. Um, Timmy Wall had an outstanding
1: enough, tournament for you guys in that that tournament. Timmy Wall? Yeah. Yeah. He
4: yeah. Hit 500 oh,
1: he was and was MVP or something great, like that.
4: Great ball player. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I said, world-class guys all the way around and and that, uh, the thing about that is in, you only just um, have to worry about your performance. That's right. You know, you, you, you're not worrying about anyone else. You know other people are going to do their job and, and the biggest challenge for Russell Boyce, um, our manager at the time, was, you know, was pulling the personalities together uh, because you, you've got people from, you know, you've got Canadians, you've got Americans, you've got Kiwis. Um, you know, athletes all have egos. Yeah. So, you know, moulding a group together that uh, performed to a high level, just having the best talent doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of Russ's uh, phenomenal strengths was, you know, he he was a real man manager, a real people manager, and he managed to pull that group together. Um, and I think you could have put picked an all-star team out of every other team there and this team still would have gone through yeah. and, and beaten them, you know. That was such the strength oh, yeah. um, of the group. And, and again, connecting to the loss of Steve and Paul the year before it, you know, it was, oh, I think it was always going to happen. That, 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 mm. that was our sort of catch cry and emotional, you know, trigger all year was, you know, doing it for those guys, especially with it being at home.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, having having something like that to play for, and having a team chemistry. I mean, <laughs> that's that's a hard recipe to beat, right there. 100.
4: Yeah, yeah. And the chemistry side of things, I think a lot of teams underestimate. Yeah. Oh, I think teams it, now now are starting to realize. You know, uh, well, it's, you know there's so many um, there's so many you know catch cries and phrases and stuff that you can use for it. But you know, if you if you get a group of athletes that You know, prepared to sacrifice something and and commit to a common cause, uh, you can actually achieve greater things than a talented group of athletes that are just playing for themselves. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Absolutely.
1: Now, you then you move on to play from for Green Bay after that. Uh, How'd you enjoy your time there?
4: Oh, those four years in Green Bay uh, were probably the the most fun time of of my time in America. because the guys that I was playing with we we're all a similar age then. you know sort of I started off as the young guy playing over there and as you progress with age you know you the age but you're no longer the younger guy. so you know the um, Colin Abbotts and the Sean Reichchecks and um, you know the Connolly brothers and Steve shot and you know we were John Becker we we're all of a similar age bracket yep. um, so we were kind of growing up together Um you know, and on the on the on the mound, we had we had, uh, had Undy the first year I was in Green Bay, uh, which we, in '94 we won the IC and and PEI um, with Paul Algar, oh, that's and true, yeah, Russell and, and Russell Cooper. So you know, we 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 uh, the all car team was similar to the farm team, I suppose. When I first went over there, sort of had a uh, had a reputation of being. Guys that got their days and nights mixed up. You, know, <laughs> you, you played always at night and rested during the day. Um, but I think you know the the influx of guys from other areas and you know changing from a uh, even though they're serious a social serious team to a you know mm-hmm. professional serious team. Yeah. Um, and and Russell Boyce again, he was in charge there, so um, he he did a, a, an amazing job. Um, again, managing those personalities and putting it together, but Green Bay is such a cool part of um, of America. You know, really, really laid back. Um, I, f- I found it uh, very similar to to here in New Zealand. I, you know, the people were really welcoming. You know, we had a we had a good bunch of guys that, as I said, we're sort of growing up together, and we had a great sponsor, Les Siegel, that you know just loved the game and we sort of traveled all over and played and, and yeah, my four years there were, uh, yeah, as I said, some of the most fun times of, of my playing career, actually.
1: Awesome. Uh, did you get to any Packer games?
4: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm still a Packer fan. Yep. <laughs> oh, uh least our sponsor, um, he had a, a, skybox there. So. Oh, wow. Always, um, uh, always got, the, oh, normally one or two preseason games and depending on how late, I stayed, I'd whenever it started getting too cold there, I'd, I'd be out on a plane and gone. Um, come back, follow the sun, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I might get the odd one or two regular season games, but yeah, each year we'd certainly get to go to two or three games. And fortunately, they're said to be in it in Liz's box there, so you know, but uh, have uh, have been a Packers fan ever since, wow. so. That's awesome. Uh, funnily enough, I'm wearing a Packers t-shirt today. Oh, what? <laughs> um, hey. yeah, yeah, So I, I see uh, poor Aaron Rodgers speaking of the Packers is probably going to struggle for, for the rest of his life. And he on that new contract, he's just signed.
1: Oh, is he ever? Yeah. I, I don't know how he's going to live. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Must be nice. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Margaret, it's funny because going through you know year by year of the ISCs, I noticed that you got to play with the who's who of softball throughout your career. Is there, is there someone that you never got to play with that you wish you, you, you had the opportunity to?
4: Um, I never thought about that. Um, cause you did, right. I, I, I did get to play with, um, the best of the best, mm-hmm. you know, over, over those years. Um, I'm sure um, let's keep talking and I'm sure there'll be a name that pops up because yeah. uh, I mean,
1: you got to, you got the catch, you got the catch Zach, you got to catch peaches, you got the. To- catch Meredith, all those guys. I mean, yeah. like, is, is there, there, there had to be a pitcher. I mean, you got Undy. I mean, Randy, is there, is Randy there, Frame.
4: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, funny, Undy, that really reminds me. I was thinking of that before when I I, I brought his name up. But my first IC with um, Sioux City was in Saskatoon in 87. Hmm. And um, Undy was right in his prime then. And we opened with Owen Sound on the number two diamond. At um, In Saskatoon, there. And I remember we, we beat uh, Owen Sound uh, 1 nothing, And in the first innings, Andy struck out four. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, I think, how it went was our leadoff got on, dropped third strike, um, got on uh, pass ball second, pass ball third. Um, I think I got the RBI being struck out on a third strike that was missed. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that was the only run that scored. But the very, I remember the very, you know, I obviously came in with a, you know, this young upstart from New Zealand with a bit of a reputation. And Undy, you know, he's got that hook on his, or he had that hook on his rise ball. And on that number two field, the, the lights weren't that great. Mm. Um, And he was throwing gas.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) He threw the first rise ball to me and it came up and, you know, up under my chin and knocked me down to the ground. And, you know, your ego takes over and you stand up don't dust yourself off and you stare back out to the mound and then you see this massive left arm (laughs) looking at you, you know, and you just kind of nod and say, thank you. Can I have another? (laughs) It was Uh, like, wow. Yeah. That was my introduction to uh, Brad Underwood. Uh, And funnily enough, we we ended up, you know, we ended up playing together. Um, (laughs) But, you know, great, great, great man and and really enjoyed the battles that we had, but also it was cool to be able to play together in the end. And the same – the same with Zach, you mm-hmm. know, with Darren that we'd battled for so long, and then, you know, last year and with County, um, we got to play alongside each other and uh, and and did I, I I think I managed to catch to him for one game, um, but it only I think it only happened for one game because we were both too headstrong. And oh, yeah. I, I, want, I wanted to call one way and he wanted to pitch another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whenever, there's, whenever there's a conflict pitcher and catcher, I think the pitcher always wins <laughs> with, with, with yeah. the manager, you know? Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. That's right,
4: too. <laughs> But no, uh, you know, phenomenal uh, pitcher, you know, really dominant through his days. And um, oh, I really loved facing him because I, I love facing those the best guys, the guys I really struggled with was there was the guys that I, I didn't get excited to face. Right. You know, where, where those top guys always got excited to face, you know, you and always look forward to it cause it was a challenge. Yeah. And you know, they were always up for the challenge.
1: I was going to, I was going to ask if, if there was a, if there was a pitcher that you had a lot of trouble with, but I mean, it was probably those ones that, you know, not a lot of people would know about because you always rose to the occasion against the top notch pitching.
4: Yeah, well, there are two guys uh, uh, in the States. Uh, one was uh, Ron Sturkel, who pitched for uh, Aurora. Um, and this is probably in my early days with Sioux City, so sort of late 80s. Um, and Ron was a, was a, uh, an older guy that had been around for a while. And and his I think it was his dad was um, the great Harvey Sturkel. Uh, that pitched for US teams, and I, I think my dad played against him at, a, at an ISF. Oh, wow. But he, uh, he was a power pitcher, but Ron had the most amazing change-up, and you know, I prided myself on being able to pick pitches and um, work out what was happening before it was pitched, but I couldn't get anything, and you know what? It, it didn't matter if I swung two or three times. I, I didn't hit it off him. I think <laughs> him and a guy, uh, Pete Camp from – Illinois. Now, Pete was about a hundred when he finished pitching against me, I think. <laughs> um, and he he used to hobble onto the diamond, left-hander, and he used to throw these little wrinkly pitches that I had no idea what was happening, um, and I couldn't, you know, I'd swing, and I'd go back to the dugout and go, "I swear to God, I, I was right on that." <laughs> um, I don't know how I missed it, but there was a there was a time where uh, he was playing for a he, Decatur picked him up when they came to Sioux City one time and they they brought him in in a game where uh, situation, runners in scoring position, and I was hitting, and they brought him, like baseball, brought him in in relief to throw just to me. And as he walked out, seriously, the guy had to be 60 when he was coming out. He stopped halfway out to the mound hobbling. He looked at me and he winked. (laughs) And I just just crumbled. (laughs) I was was broken and he struck me out. And I think the first time I got a a pop-up off him, I... I did. I jumped for joy running down first baseline. That's like <laughs> this is the first time I put I put wood on it. God like love them. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that's amazing. That's amazing. I love stories like that.
4: Yeah. Uh, Mark,
1: let's jump over to the Black Sox here. I mean, of course, you guys would win three in a row there from '96 to 2004. What was it about that team during that eight-year span that made you guys the best in the world?
4: Uh, I think it really came down to. You know, sort of. We obviously had a group of guys that were um, were really talented. Uh, we had a group of guys that were uh, really unselfish. You know, so prepared to play for each other, mm. and you know, to pull it all together was that they were they were pretty passionate about playing for New Zealand. So you know, if you can if you can get that kind of connectivity um, with with a group with some talent. Um, you know, you get that chemistry right that we talked about before, you you can achieve great things. And, you know, obviously we did through that time. Uh, we had a consistent core of guys. You know, in 96 we were quite a young team uh, and then, you know, got better in 2000 and, and then it culminated in 2004 where I think, you know, it was when we were at the peak of our powers, mm-hmm. you know, that that, is I've never been a part of a group that worked as hard as that team did um, because it was the first time it was going to be held here in New Zealand for since uh, 1976 right. you know, and, and and at that time my dad played in that event so you know it was a long time between drinks um, and just to, I guess to give an example of the you know the the focus and connectivity is that we you know uh, obviously our, our summer is is october through march so yeah you know we we're playing through christmas and typically it will break over christmas and you know there'll, there'll be a couple of weeks off while it, for the festivities and stuff and then you get started back into it and and sort of early mid january um, but that particular year you know we're we're all on training programs and stuff and i uh, know i remember the the day after christmas day boxing day uh, you know, we'd all you know, celebrate and stuff, and it was, um, you know, I said to my wife that, that I'm going to go to the gym uh, and have a workout. So I went to the gym for a workout, and I walk in there, and there were five other of my team members that had thought the same thing so on awful. the same day.
3: That's so so there were wow.
4: six of us there training, um, and it wasn't an organized session, you know, so... I kind of walked in and I saw everybody at different in different corners of the gym and, and just kind of nodded. You know, it's like, yeah, this is special. Yeah, you know, this is this is the stuff that you can't script because it, it just has to be something that you know is driven by the individual. So, you know, little things like that that um, that contributed to the success. You know, so on Boxing Day you've got six guys going when you know most others are going to be sitting back in the sun with a barbecue and a beer. Mm. Uh, it's not saying we didn't do that later in the day. but no, absolutely. <laughs> but we, we took we took care of business early, which you know um, doesn't sound like a lot, but in in a team perspective, when you're trying to get everybody rowing the boat in the same direction, it um, it was really important. But very very cool.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I, I was going to ask you know about all those world title wins. It, like they're all special, of course. If there was one that has a little bit more meaning, was 2004. A little bit more special for you,
4: yeah. I th- I think you know I've referred to that. You know, I guess since I've stopped playing a few times uh, because I think it it was it was also my best performance. You know, for um, uh, offensively and defensively. Um, That's because of Tosh, you know, wasn't it? Because of Tosh. yes, it was. He gave me, <laughs> he gave me a pouch of red men Don't tell, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's God. right. It was. I was hanging out for a, for a chew. Uh, yeah, I think I think he gave it to me on the the last game of round robin, and after that, I think I went nine, nine for, for
1: eleven. 11. <laughs> that's uh, a, that's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh funny. Nah. It. Uh, but I. <laughs> you know, you play your whole, well, I played my whole career and it was you wanted to, um, you know, to get the opportunity to play in front of, you know, your family, your friends and, and the softball public um, was a real great opportunity and that was something that we talked about a lot. Is that We, you know, we we didn't want to miss the opportunity to show the rest of New Zealand what a special group we had. You know, so it was never, we, we, we've never spent a huge amount of time focusing on, and this may sound strange, but focusing on winning—you know—it's always been about quality performance and and quality people. Um, and if you get that right, then the outcome will take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and that's something that that Don Tricker drove. You know, started with Mike Walsh coaching, and then Don Tricker took it to another level um, within the group. Was you know was, was about developing you know quality people. Yeah. And as so I talked about before, having un, unselfish attitudes where you know, it didn't matter whether you're hitting three, four, five. If you were called to bunt to sacrifice someone over, you didn't do a half-ass job and kind of get the bat around and foul it off. So you swing at the next pitch. You you actually got yourself around and put the ball down and, and you advanced that runner over. Right. Um. You know, just the simple things where, you know, uh, a lot of guys make the mistake of trying to, you know, trying to hit that three-run home run with no one on base. Right. Uh, yeah. When you know when to build pressure um you know a six or seven pitch walk will do more for the team mm-hmm. than and, and momentum than hitting a home run yep. you know the home run that yeah run scored but the pressure's gone there's no pressure on the pitcher so you know with every runner on base you can build that extra pressure so you know it's just those little things that you can do um and and, and you can contribute to the team cause and that's during that time I think we we got that recipe right. You know, that that we had some really unselfish players that uh, were prepared to, you know, uh, walk over broken glass for each other.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. How sweet was it to hit that home run in the finals against Canada?
4: Yeah, well, it, you know, as a kid growing up, you you dream of, you know, I did. I, I dreamed of hitting a home run in the final of the World Series. Yeah. You know, that was it. And... And not that I I'd thought about it prior to then, but it was my sixth ISF, and it was it was my last, um, and I'd been in the final uh, every time, uh, but had never managed to, uh, to you know, hit, 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 well, a game winning home run like that. So um, it, it was very very cool. You know, I really uh, I look back and and cherish it, but. To be honest, I think my at-bat prior to that was possibly the most important – or one of the most important at-bats that I'd had in my uh, international career was – The one that tied it at three? No, it had – we had – well, the Canadians had scored two or three in the first innings. Three. Three, yeah. Yeah, I'm (laughs) testing my memory there. So they'd come out of the block, scored really well. Um, and we Dion Nukunuku got a hit, get on base, got him around to third, and with two outs, I was hitting, and, and I just got a, I guess, a harmless single up the middle, which drove, uh, brought Dion home. Uh, but what it did was it released the pressure, yeah, right. So it it it, it allowed us to, you know, we our offense had been really strong and productive that whole week, and if you get shut down after the opposition jumps out to a lead like that, it's really hard to come back. So in the context of the game, that was really important, you know, that um, just getting one run. You know, And when the guys had come in uh, in the dugout there, I'd said to the guys, hey, all we need to do is just get one run this inning. That's all we need to do. Mm-hmm. Let's just put one up on the board, work to get guys on base, move them around, get a run, and then we'll go from there. Um, and then, yeah, uh, next thing is like Patty, uh, Patty Shannon hit a, Two run home run to tie it, and then mine was after that the next inning.
1: That's right, yeah, yeah.
4: So, yeah, to, oh, mind you, I had another at bat like that against uh Zach in, in 96 in the first of our um three world titles. There, I, th- I think Darren had struck out nine in a row or something, um, or well, eight of nine, and he was uh, he was on fire, but again, I, I just got a Harmless single to left field, and it just released the pressure. You know, the pressure was building. He was dominating. He was mowing guys down, and then all of a sudden, you know, a single, guys, guys start believing, ah, he is hittable Mm. Um, where the further you go the more you go with strikeouts building and mounting people are going shit I don't want to can someone come in for a pinch hit me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right
1: it's funny what those little things can do though oh 100%
4: it is yeah momentum you know um, the small small things can have a big impact on momentum in games and Mm. Yeah, so I've, I've always been a believer that you know the it's the little stuff that creates the opportunity to win championships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the big stuff. Yeah, um, the big stuff will take care of itself um, if you get that little stuff right. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. Even Absolutely. like your uh, infield fly on that hundred-year-old man that that lifted yeah. you up,
4: <laughs> yeah. jumping up and down. There you go, <laughs> Pete Coolen Camp. Yeah. Pete Coolen Camp. Bless man. him. Now yeah.
1: you mentioned Don Tricker. We had Don on the podcast here last month, and and such a great interview. I mean, Don oh yeah such a great guy as well uh, was he a master manipulator when he put that 2014 together because he mentioned little things that he he uh, mentioned to you know to you especially saying you know you never won one at home and you were retired yeah, no. weren't you
4: yeah I was yeah <laughs> he, he he was a little bit like that um, but he, he there was always sincerity in his eyes you know oh yeah um, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he certainly um, knew how to pull the right strings yeah. and did uh, did a huge amount of work with that group. And it started before 2000, you know, when he, he took over in about 98, I think it was, yeah. um, about developing that unselfish attitude. But, you know, he, he created an environment where, you know, I don't ever recall him calling a hit and run or a squeeze um i don't ever recall us, us stealing a huge amount of bases um but their environment was conducive to high performance and he basically was the conductor of the orchestra mm-hmm. you know and, and he let the guys go out there and and do their thing and um it's a really valuable lesson there from you know from a leadership point of view and and i look at it now terms of my coaching is that you know don't overplay your hand, um, you know, create their environment, you know, upskill the athletes, you know, provide the right platform and then let them do their job. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's and that's what Don uh what Don did so well. You know, he's um and he'll tell you he probably did. He's he's a pretty unremarkable type of guy. But once you get to know him, he's extremely remarkable. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh you know he could, and what I mean by that he could walk into the park and people wouldn't notice him but then after they'd spoken to him they'd look and go mm. who the heck was that guy. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um,
4: it, it's like wow. Um and that's you know I I I think I became a disciple of Don you know because yeah. of um his his uncomplicated manner of dealing with things you know I remember I think it was my first time picking a team for a and ISF in uh, 2015, which was back in Saskatoon, funnily enough. Um, and I called Don, and you know he he was obviously long since retired, and he was working for the All Blacks scene. And called him and said, "We need a coffee." And he said, "Okay, what's the brief?" And I said, "I got a selection problem." And he said, "Okay." So we were we were supposed to be meeting for a coffee uh, at a cafe down the road from his office, but he said, "Hey, got a lot of a lot of stuff on. Come up to the office, you know, New Zealand rugby." for uh, over here for us is uh, that's the pinnacle, you know? So walking into the offices of New Zealand rugby in Wellington was, was pretty cool. You know, I'm like, wow. And then seeing Don uh, walk through and everybody sort of interact with him, knowing it was one of our guys, you know, that he cut his teeth playing softball, you know, sort of added to it. So he said, Oh, the meeting rooms are uh, tied up. Let's, uh, let's go in here. And we went into the office of the CEO who, a guy by the name of Steve Chu, and then something, and holy shit, we're in the, the office of the CEO, and he's got one of these walls with that are painted with whiteboard paint, and he had a whole bunch of stuff written on this this whiteboard. And Don grabs, I just remember him grabbing the, you know, the whiteboard eraser and wiping it all off, and I'm like, Don, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> He goes, just creating some space for us to write on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but all that stuff that's written on there. Oh, he goes, oh, he'll, he'll have it written down somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh okay. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and he he, he he just said to me, he said, okay, what's the problem? I said, well, I've got three guys for two positions, um, but I'm getting emotionally tied up. You know, he, I'm getting myself in knots. And he said, okay, what are the critical things that you want from your catches? And I we listed Four or five things out, and he said, "Okay, I want you to rank each player one to three on those four or five, item, you know, criteria that you put there." And I went, "Okay." So we went through, and about two minutes later, he circled a name and said, "I don't see you got a problem. Should we go and have that coffee now?" <laughs> um, and I was sitting there looking, going, "What did he just do?" Wow! Um, but he. You know, a term that Don and he may have used it uh, when he was on is he declutters things. Yep, yep. And we complicate things with our mind, and it's the same when you're hitting. You know, you go to the plate, you you when you go into a bit of a funk, you you overcomplicate things. So, mm. you know, when you know that when you're hitting well, you're not thinking about much. You're going out there, you're trusting yourself, and you're doing it. And, and that situation was just me letting my mind get in the way of making a a sound and reasonable decision. Um. You know, so he he just helped me declutter and and you know sort out that problem, and so that that's just uh, you know uh, people look at success in sport often as being rocket science, but it's actually not. Mm. Um, we we make it a lot more complicated than what it needs to be, and a situation like, situation like that really highlighted it, it to me. But funny, after that we we went into their um, their lunch room, which. Is like a, a five-star cafe, you know. Uh, it would be like going into the best cafe in Wellington, and we're there, and they've got these Flash Espresso machines and stuff. And Steve Chu, the CEO, walks in, and Don goes, hey, I don't know how do you use this machine. Can you make Mark a coffee, please? <laughs> and um, and I'm, I'm looking at Don going, what did you just say to him? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and, and Steve's like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, so Steve makes it, he's making me a coffee and I'm sitting there going, holy shit, I've got the CEO (laughs) of New Zealand rugby making me a coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's unreal. uh, I'm just a humble boy that's easily pleased by a good coffee. Yeah, I guess, I guess.
1: Oh, that's amazing, Mark. That's great. So, I mean, now that we're on the, the coaching side of things, like what's been your, the biggest learning curve for you since you jumped into the coaching ranks?
4: you can't create success through your own actions. Yeah. You know, so I used to be able to swing a bat and call the pitches for the pitcher um, and control the game. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest challenge I found in the beginning was standing on third base coaching and not being able to do the things that I could do before. Right. You know, so... You know, the the success of the team has to come through the work that you do developing the team. You know, the the coaching, the mentoring, the framing, um, you know, the situational planning and stuff. So, yeah, it was was transferring my IP from a player to a coach. And, yeah, that took some time. Um, And did I get it right all the time? Nope. No, but you. I've always been one that's been pretty honest um, and honest with myself. In, in reflection, you always do a lot of self-analysis um, mm-hmm. in terms of what went well, what didn't go well, what could I do better? And yeah, through you know, uh, it's like, like anything. The more time you have in the saddle, the more comfortable you get. Yeah. And oh, geez, I remember the first time coaching uh, at a third base there. I was like a cat on a hot tin roof, <laughs> you know, signals bouncing around and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, actually, I can't have the same level of activation I had when I was playing when you're coaching, because then you get a guy striking out and you, you're screwing your face up or yeah. you know, uh, fist pumping your hand, going, ah, damn it, you know. So athletes, you know, watch and the, the guys watched my reaction. You know, and right. and if they didn't perform, and I reacted uh, not positively, it affected them. You know, they, they it create created a um, uh, an environment of fear. You know, sh- we don't want to we don't want upset Mark, right? Um, you know, so it, it created pressure. So, you know, and that comes about through you know you do debriefs and stuff, and and then someone uh, a lot of uh, this type of development takes a lot of courage because it takes courage for someone uh, within a group to say to me and and you know Mark Sorensen this this demigod of softball apparently um, that what he's doing is affecting the way that we're playing so you know it, it, it meant that I had to adjust because what, what, what happens down here is it? if I walk into a softball park on a Saturday night and I say that we should run the opposite way around the bases because that's how I feel like it should be on the day, people will say, yes, sir, yes, Mark, yes, Mark, okay, we'll do that today, no problem. <laughs> you know, So you never get questioned. Right. Um, so the courage to have, you know, to be able to have that discussion, um, I, I understood the significance of that. Right. So it meant that, you know, I needed to change. Um and those again—it's those little things that you you take for granted, you know, and you you hop there. So yeah, now I'd like to think I'm I'm a lot um, a lot more calmer and mellow at, at third base <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> than than I was at the start. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's it's life, and it? it's about evolving, and evolution's got to be a really important part of our game.
1: Absolutely. How special was that uh, 2017 win up here in Canada?
4: Oh, that that would probably be the second, um, you know, most uh, satisfying World Cup win for me. Mm. You know, mainly because this this know, the Black Sox had built, you know, certainly a, a legacy and a reputation of success. And but it's it's not a guarantee. It's not a lay down mazia. So to be a part of um, you know a coaching group that took a group of young men that. You know, two years prior in Saskatoon, we were sort of unheralded. We had a lot of new guys. You know, we, we had to bring uh, – we sort of had a changing of the guard post the 2013 event I mentioned earlier here at home. You know, we lost a lot of the, you know, the Jared Martins and the Thomas Marquiers and uh, Reece, uh, the Reese Kaisleys. And, you know, the we didn't have many of those um, experienced guys left. So to, to climb back up that mountain with – uh, a group that had a couple of years before been relatively unheralded, although we were five nothing up in the final against Canada. <laughs> yep. Um, I thought I'd bring that up before you guys did.
3: Oh, um, we won't do that. We're, we're not. We're not allowed to say Steve Malali here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, God. I've had years of therapy to get over that. <laughs> Sorry. <about> that. Uh, <laughs> every time I, I walk by Steve, I look at him and just shake my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was it was pretty satisfying. Um, yeah. To it's special to, you know, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm still still growing, I suppose, and evolving as a coach, and you know, to and it doesn't always work. People that that had uh, great playing careers, um, you know, transferring over into the coaching side of it and having success. So to be able to, um you know, achieve that uh, really, you know, really sits very, very highly in terms of my satisfaction scale, you know, that because I know as a player, you never fully appreciate what's involved in running a campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, you turn, you turn up to an event and you play and you do that, but you don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um, and how much work. And, you know, I quite often tell people that geez, in this role, 80% of my job is away from the diamond. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and then what you see at, at a training camp or at a at an event is, is just a small snippet of what we've actually done. Because so you you appreciate it, you know, um, quite a lot more than what you do. I think you did as a player. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. One hundred percent. I mean, we we talk about it here. Like us, me and Chris are we're coaching with the senior team here in in these and hope you'd agree with this like oh my gosh yeah. it's, 8, it's never percent yeah. is off the field stuff that yeah. we have to deal
3: with it's been on all, <laughs> yep. all winter and we haven't even stepped on the field yet
1: yeah
4: yeah yep. no i agree
3: but i love it so yeah. i wouldn't change it for
4: anything yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no nah, well so it's i i'm uh, coaching my daughters uh, where, uh she's in a under 13 team and coached them for the last couple of years and and after we had uh after we went to uh, Prague, and and we didn't do so well a couple of years ago. Um, had a, a review with high, high performance sport, now high performance sport is, is like our fund, government funding agency that provides us the support to run our programs. And uh, had you know a, had a three hour uh, debrief with them in front of a panel of five people, and you know they're throwing questions at you left, right, and centre. And um, and they asked me, you know, so what are you doing personally to ensure that? Um, you're going to be better next time, you know, in terms of personal development. And I said, I'm coaching at the time it was an under eleven team, and I said, I'm coaching the Parramatta Plymouth and under eleven cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of, yeah, you know, they kind of look <laughs> sideways, and then they yeah. look at me and go, "Okay, uh, go a little bit further." And it's like, well, that's where it all started for me. Yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's that's where the uh, my dear, my daughter plays, but actually, the kids come along to play the game for fun. Yeah, and you know, I just want uh, each week I go out there and I try and make it fun for them. So it doesn't, you know, if we got runners on first and second, uh, the opposition does. You know, I'm just telling the girls to throw it to first base, just yeah. get in out. Don't worry about the force play. Let's learn about that later. So it's t- it's it's peeling things away. I'm really privileged. You know, I've been to the I go to World Cups. I've been to the you know to the uh, Padre Spring Training. I get to go to all these things, but. This is grounding me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is taking me back to what, what why I started playing the game. Mm. So, you know, and that's really important. And they kind of nodded and went, okay, I get it. Thank you.
1: Wow. That's a good way.
4: So, Mike, Just honest, you yeah. know.
1: <laughs> great great perspective right there. Yeah, sure, 100%. Right? Jesus. So, uh, I guess, I mean, we touched on a little bit at the beginning there, but uh, you guys hosting here in November. Obviously, looking forward to that. I mean, the home crowd again. Back for the WBSC World Cup, that's going to be uh, quite an event.
4: Oh, I think it is, and I, but I think every every country is going to be uh, jumping out of their skin. Oh, that's looking right. For yeah, them to plan the event. You know, we've we've all been on um, under such restrictions for so long now that you know coming back, and it's <laughs> it's funny that it's, it's, you know we're playing a sport where it's three strikes and you're out because you know it was meant to be what February last year. Yeah. Um, then it was going to be February this year. It was postponed to, and now it's November. So it, it is a third strike. Yeah, really. Um, and it's the last chance mm. to have it. So, yeah, it, it just oh, I'm I'm really relishing the opportunity to again put on display, you know what what great athletes we have playing the sport. Because uh, in in recent times, for sort the of last the last five years, there's there's been a bit of a growth around baseball here. So. You know, and 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 not that it's had a uh, a detrimental effect on on our sport, but people that um, people that don't know a great deal about the differences in both sports over here because they see baseball on TV all the time think that that should be the you know should be the priority. But it's really an opportunity for us to showcase that yes. you know, we too have exceptional athletes, and and that's where. You know, all of the countries coming in sort of help help us do that and promote the game. That you know, we've actually, you know, we 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 a fast paced game that you can get over within two hours. And yeah. you know, yeah. the guys, you know, right. the guys from one a standing start can can throw it at one hundred and thirty plus kilometers an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you still see the ball flying over the fence. You, you know, you still see great plays. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, anytime we get an opportunity to um, showcase our sport, which, you know, I'm obviously pretty passionate about here at home, um, I think is, is uh, a great opportunity and special.
1: Absolutely. And I think this one, you know, this one being the first one since Prague, I mean, it's coming becoming like a, more of an even playing field, don't you find? I mean, you don't have, it's just, it's not you guys, Canada and the Aussies anymore there's Argentina there's Japan like there's Venezuela like there's uh, it's getting to be a level playing field and the Czech
4: guys are coming as well
1: yes that's right too
4: yeah yeah no I think uh well personally I I think that Prague was probably the the most competitive um ISF that I've seen for a long time Mm. you know and and you're right there was always you know the, the the top teams were always great yeah. You know, and always have been and always will be. But, geez, the, um, you know, the level of competition has increased um, immensely over, you know, I think over the last, and, and maybe it has something to do with the two-yearly cycle, but the two-yearly cycle was just so hard financially um, oh, on countries yeah. to be able to send teams, you know, every second year. So every year you're having two teams go to a World Cup. So mm. maybe that contributed to it, but then – the WBSE and the wisdom um, cut it from sixteen to to twelve teams, um, which uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with. I'm, I'm disappointed in it because mm-hmm. there's going to be some good teams that miss out. Right. You know, there'll certainly be one or good one or two good teams from the Americas that miss out. Um, the, there'll be a good team from Europe that misses out, um, and well, Asia. But you'll, you'll certainly see Japan, Japan come yeah. through there. Yeah, for I mean sure. that, that's a given. Yeah, uh, but it, yeah, at it, it, um, twelve teams, I, 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 geez, I loved. It. I, I think I remember back in the day when there was twenty. Yeah, you know, ten in each division, and you're playing more than one game a day. Yeah, you know, and that, those, geez, those days, uh, you you get through and you're playing 15, 16 games in a World Cup. Um, at the end of it, it, it became a real endurance test.
1: That's right too. Yeah, yeah. it definitely would be. I I had to laugh when you said uh, with Chopper and Damien there that you wish you could have maybe had the Argentinians there last year because they'd be still celebrating from
4: 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Every time, every time I I got a communication, it's like there's another bloody party going on in Argentina. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Ah uh, Julio, you know, I I I wrote to Julio um, after Prague because I never got to see him. Right. Um, and congratulated him because he'd, we played together in uh, in marathon with County County Materials and County Concrete and stuff. So yeah. you know, with uh, with Lucas Mata and, and obviously the uh, Lucas's younger brother Humio uh, Mumu, mm.
0: um,
4: uh, you know, was the dominant pitcher for them there. So you know, I wrote to him and congratulated him because I. You know, if uh, uh, if we couldn't win it ourselves, it, you know, it's great to see someone that you've got a connection with and know mm-hmm. uh, okay. personally uh, getting some success because I know how hard he'd battled over the previous years. You know, trying to get um, that talented group of guys to come together. And, you know, the things we talked about before around chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know how hard he'd battled with that. So you know, to see them succeed in that final with with them in Japan. Um that, uh, that that was quite a special game.
1: Absolutely. And and huge for their country and program as well.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, Mark, we got a little something that we like to end the podcast with. Uh call Player Association. I'm gonna throw out uh, a couple names to you. And uh if you have a story about them, feel free to <laughs> feel free to throw it out there. So uh first one here we're going to, I'm gonna throw it is uh Jimmy Cotter. <laughs>
4: Oh wow well, um, possibly the best player that I've ever seen um, you know he was like Jim was like an older brother to me um, and when I first he played for my Cardinals team uh, he came over to to our club from um, uh, the wire Rapid just over the hill and and came over as a catcher so I, I made that initial connection because I was this was before I was 14 and playing alongside him. Yeah. Um, but then he moved to center field. You know, and he, he he. I think he became the best center field in the game. Hit, run, throw, hit for power. Um, pretty much did it all. And and I think the first real five tool player that that I can remember seeing. So, you know, he was one of the first position players to go and play in North America. And, and I think he, you know, we talked about that before. He was one of the guys that opened the, opened the door for guys like myself to get the opportunities. So, you know, I um, very very special. Uh, talented player, and you know, he was a junior All Black rugby player as well. Wow. So uh, he, uh, he he was another one that we uh, we lost too young. Um, also, unfortunately, killed in a car accident.
1: Well, that's yeah, definitely unfortunate for sure. Uh, next on the list is uh, Michael White.
4: Um, probably the, the the best performance pitching performance I've ever seen. You know, that uh, Whitey threw the – he – you know, I've seen and caught to a lot of pitches that that on on days when things are going well, they will get – you know, they'll succeed and be dominant. And if it's against a team they believe they can beat. But Whitey would take the ball against anyone Mm -hmm. and he would still fight on days when he didn't have his good stuff, you know. And and I'm sure you guys remember he he blew his arm out in – the 87 IC, I think it was, that I talked about before, yep, yep. playing for teleconnect, you know. So they basically had to rebuild his arm, you know, in terms of his bicep disconnected. So he had to reinvent himself as a pitcher and, you know, he was, he was always tenacious. But from there, and he went from being a power pitcher to, to a real craftsman and, you know, that performance that he put on in the – uh, in the final of the '96 World Series, um, where he threw a perfect game, you know, was quite outstanding.
1: Yeah, you don't you get know, the, You I, I, don't get those too often, especially in the in the finals.
4: <laughs> no, just a game of that significance, you know. And he was always going to pitch that game for us. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do remember going to Mike uh, Mike Walsh, um, who, funnily enough, stopped into my work yesterday, had, had a coffee. Um, <laughs> he's he's uh, he's a softball. He's another softball tragic that we have over here with all of us, like all of us. Um, he, uh, I, I went to Mike and said, hey, uh, you, you better get someone else ready because Whitey's warm-up is terrible. He's got nothing on the ball. And yeah, the first innings, he went out there and um, I can't remember the first three hitters, but Colin was hitting third and, and all three of them hit line drives. And then the second innings... Um, they hit the ball firm, and then, from about the third innings on, I don't think they got good wood to anything wow, uh, and he just he just grew and grew, you know, so started the game with a after a terrible warm up not a lot happening, but he's a real fighter, you know, and he always had that he always had that location um he always had that confidence in his ability that I talked about earlier um and and he would never give up, you know even even when you're behind mm-hmm. um he still found a way so you know, certainly um, one of the best, if not the best, pitcher that I ever caught too.
1: Right on. Two more here. Uh, Canadian, former teammate, uh, friend of the show, Colin Abbott.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew that he'd become an Abby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard he likes KFC. Oh, he does. Yeah, I was just going to oh, tell you. have heard that story before, yeah, on the way to the gym. Yeah, on the Can way, way to, to, the to the gym. The KFC? <laughs> yeah what do you mean go to KFC?
1: <laughs> That's
4: we, uh, oh, he was part of that era that I talked about the uh, in Green Bay where you know because we're similar age and we're growing up together and we had a huge amount of fun um you know we worked together at the all- car store and uh it, it was it was a fun time you know and um he he was a great great player you know a great great hitter. Uh, possibly, and he will love this. Possibly the worst outfit I've ever seen. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I tell you what. He could hit uh, a race though. Oh, man, he could hit it all right. Um, and great sense of humor. So, no, we, we uh, yeah, I, I, a lot of time for Abby and, um, you know, really love my time playing with him. Um, and we, and funnily enough, you know, he's a real classy guy. And that that performance I talked about with Whitey, hmm. um, uh, Abby was the he was the last out in the seventh inning. So with two outs, um, you know, he comes up to the plate, and and I think it, uh, I can't remember the count, but uh, we had two strikes, and the umpire put his hand between, you know, put his hand on my, on my back, and just sort of. Uh, put his head down and said, hey, Mark, just want to say congratulations. You guys have been fantastic all week and and thoroughly deserve this title. And uh, remembering we only had two strikes. (laughs) So um, I was thinking, okay, uh, this pitch isn't going to be very close, but it's going to be called a strike. So (laughs) I I called a low rise outside, and I swear to God, I was six or eight inches off the plate, and and the umpire rung it up and stuck him out, you know, perfect game, and then, and I talked to Colin later, and I'm like, "Oh, dude, sorry that 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 pitch was way off the plate." And he goes, "Man, it didn't matter. We weren't going to hurt hurt with a tennis racket today, yeah. you know." Wow. So it just speaks volumes of the man. You know, really classy. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But it' funny <laughs> in uh, in not, uh, 2004, he he was the last out as well. Oh,
1: um, all the three was too.
4: <laughs> yeah, he uh, hit the ground ball to Dion at Dion, second, Yeah, and, yeah, and I remember uh, with two strikes, he'd hit a foul ball down the right field line. Two strikes, I got up and kind of cleaned the plate because we used- we used to talk smack to each other, even when we were playing together. <laughs> and I and I remember getting up and cleaning the plate, and and then uh, turning to come back, and I looked at him. I, I said, uh, "Hey, hoop, you were the last out in '96 as well, remember?" <laughs> and uh, Got a short, sharp response.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, Love
4: that. Uh, Yeah. So, no, no, great, great, great man.
1: Love stories like that. Uh, Last, certainly not least, uh, you know him pretty well, Patty Shannon.
4: Patty Shannon. Um, Well, I've I've got him on my coaching team now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, how's that going? It's, it's going great good yeah Patty's patty's doing a great job uh, you know he he was a real competitor you know he still he still is he came and came and stayed with me uh, we, we, a year ago when we had an event down here and um, he took me through a workout because you know, he still still works out really hard um, and and about blew me out to be honest <laughs> but you know he's still in great Nick. Um, He's passionate. He's a real competitor. I mean, I I remember his first tour, we were – Ryan Brand was playing in Grand Prairie. Um, And we were playing – what was it? I can't remember the name of their team. Um, Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie Pride.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. Um, And the OB brothers were playing there. As well, oh, Sean, uh, and Sean, Sean and Ryan. O'Brien. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I'm pretty sure Robbie was there. Certainly, Sean was catching. I thought both of them. Um, but uh, in the first game, I had a couple of home runs off um, off uh, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was our first game out. You know, we'd been training for about three months. You come out that first game, you, you, you know, I use the phrase "cat on a hot tin roof." Before you're just bouncing, ready to get out there and play and uh, yeah, I had a pretty good game and then Paddy came to catch the next game and, and I looked at him and said, there you go, son, see the standard? You've got to live to. And he just looked at me and then he went out and hit two home runs the first two at-bats and he came back to the dugout and said, okay, what's next? <laughs> um, and <it> was like,
1: <laughs> but that's But that's, that's
4: the type of, uh, you know, unrelenting sort of confidence that, that Paddy brought to the table. Yeah. Um you know, he uh he t- I'll tell you he always wears number one on a shoe because he's the most important guy in the world. Um, <laughs> and there's only one of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but he um as I said, he's he's done a really uh great job so far. He did a little bit more um, I suppose relevant and connected to the guys having having played more recently. Yeah. Right. Um and, you know, he's, he's going through that stage of um, uh, understanding and finding his niche in the role.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but he, he, you know, he, you get, as you get older, you get a little bit more politically correct and, you know, your delivery and stuff where Paddy's still a bit old school, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll jump out there and, and tell the guys straight um, if, if they're you know, if they're being a dickhead, yep, he'll tell them where. You know, you, as you, you've you've been through years of coaching, and you talk about you might not be achieving your potential right here. And Patty goes, "Ah, you're just being a dickhead."
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I um, like that so, yes.
4: <laughs> Yeah. So no, he he, he uh, You know, he's a, he's a winner too. You know, and and that's um forever. that's what I really love is that he he brings that winning attitude. Um, you know, and he thinks. Um, he thinks similarly but differently to me, mm-hmm. so that you know, because you, you can't you can't cookie cut or clone everything. You know, you need different uh, ideas and different things thrown on the on the table mm-hmm. um, when you're in selection meetings. Because as I said before, about you know, if I say we've got to pick this guy, I, I want us all to be on the same page. Right? Yep. You know, and if and if uh, Patty and in our other selector. Um, if they feel differently, they've both played alongside me and know me enough that they don't feel threatened, you know, and they can challenge, and we do have some some good robust discussions there. But uh, and Patty certainly, you know, he um, he comes well prepared. Um, he's thought about what he's doing um, and thought about who he wants, and yeah, he's he's really starting to add some value for us. That's Fantastic.
1: awesome. That's awesome. Listen, Mark, I got to thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been amazing being able to talk to you i mean not only a big part of the game down in new zealand us but across the world as well even here in canada man i like i'm so happy i had the pleasure hoping i had the pleasure to talk to you
4: oh no it's been great thanks a lot for having me on guys really enjoyed it uh, i love uh, reminiscing um, about the good old days because <laughs> it's not something you want to do too often when you're in a coaching Back yeah, in my right. day. Back in your uh, day. <laughs> that's right. You don't want to yeah. be that guy. <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, that's right. Well, listen, uh, best Very of cool. luck. Uh, best of luck. You know, hopefully you guys get on the field sooner rather than later. And uh, can't wait to uh, to be watching you guys in November.
4: Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Take All right. care. Take care, Mark. All right.
1: See you, pal. Man. What a great episode.
3: Yeah, that was... Uh- that was entering Peaches territory. Nah,
1: not even close.
3: No, another hour and a half. No, nah. no. Fantastic. God, I,
1: I so love much. being able to talk like not 16 year old. <laughs> like, like, think about it. We're talking. We talked to uh, a guy that played in the IF. IS, IS, he won an ISF at 16 years of age. Yeah. Now he's the head coach of the New Zealand Black Sox. Yeah. Guiding these guys, hopefully to a, to a world title. I mean, he did in 2017.
3: Yeah. Like
1: he's done it all. I have a question.
3: Do you think there's any other 16 year old, notable 16 year olds that have played at the IC level? Cole Evans. Except for Cole Evans. <laughs> Shit, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there
1: you go. Wow. Cole that says a lot. Yeah. Actually, Cole's pretty much following the footsteps of Mark I and mean, yeah. played as 16. Now he's the captain at, uh, yeah. at the same age Mark was.
3: That's crazy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
1: Well, so I mean, uh, it can be done. New Zealand has a, you know, they have a great leader on their hands right now. Not only in coach staff, but uh, their captain as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that that was awesome. Yeah, that was fantastic. uh, uh, So happy we got to talk to Mark. Mark, thanks again for coming on. I mean, it it really was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Going forward, Hopi, we have uh, let's touch on Tiefest.
3: Yeah, go ahead.
1: We have Tiefest tournament coming up, July of July, July fifteenth, seventeenth. Yeah. We have a few teams entered right now. I mean, hey, listen, if you want to come down, it's going to be a great time. Uh, prize money worth twenty five hundred dollars. I mean, that's nothing to, to sneeze at. And Not
3: to mention, you get Tide Fest, uh, you get tied fest passes and activities, and yeah,
1: it's a time. Like it, it really is. right I mean, you seem
3: very angry now It's <laughs> no, Like, oh, I wanted to talk about something too during the podcast. When oh. you, you, what was you, what was your takeaway? Take. take? Did you take it away? But I know. Can you tell me? Did you take it away? Take it away. Take it away. And then you wrote "edit." Do I'm going you know to edit that. I'm going to edit it. You can't. Why? Hey, Mark. Can you tell me about the takeaway? Could you take it and take it away?
1: <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> what I'll, the fuck? Fine. I won't edit it. I'll leave that in there. Anyway. So yeah. Any any teams uh, back to TIE Fest, If you want to enter, the emails are on the uh, the poster that we put on social media. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're gonna. Well, I'm going to start releasing every week. Like we got to get it out there. Come on out. I mean, it's going to be a time. Well, the mean, thing like,
3: is, we're trying to make this into something that's going to be annual an, event. an annual event. And we want more teams to come each year type thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But anyway, let's not beat that dead horse too much. That's right. Anyway, Brady, it was fun
1: you. to get back to, yeah. to this finally after a two week layoff. And yeah, uh, anyway,
3: and we had a fantastic guest. Yep. And, uh, we have a special couple guests coming up, not too far away.
1: Oh, <sighs> We're not going to mention it. We're not going to mention it right now. Let's just say our 100th episode is going to be awesome. That's all. We'll leave it at that. Anyway, until next week. Cheers. Classified. Classified.
2: Yeah, let's play a game, call a monkey in the middle. Married to the game, but I ain't scared to make a single. This right here, got you feeling like a nympho. About the climax, with your face all in a pillow. It's a grand slam home run Early morning tee-off Sinking a hole in one One for one The underdog But I'm winning it Club clothes, But the ticket DJ Keeps spinning it Oh, I can't stop This feeling that I come across Moonwalking walking on water Like the son of God Then I'm ghost Busters, who you gonna call? Feels like Christmas When I'm sipping on that rum and all no. It's that bonus on your paycheck It's when the wifey Surprised you with day sex Yes, it's going on at first date It's taking her over dinner And she offers to pay That's a grand slam I feel, feel way back I'm swinging for the fence <laughs> Grand slam I got a couple of drinks Got weed and some money to yeah. spend That's a grand slam I'm feeling brand new Like no I can't lose That's a damn good day to me Uh-huh That's a damn good day to me That's right And that's a damn good day Pick it up, yeah. pick it up. I'm trying to give a bit of great advice yeah. You in a dark place, this could be your way of life. It's a feeling that could make you nice I'm trying to take these people higher It don't matter if you're the heights right. Right. right, it's like that back massage It's a bachelor party over your last hurrah Feels good, don't it? Good, don't Enjoying it? what you can Cause this all stops when the record ends There's three types of people I know that tell the truth Kids, drums, so and those who not nothing to lose I'm on my last drink, though, but got no weed to smoke oh, Just found a joint in the seat of my coach That's a grand slam I do way back, I'm swinging for the fence Grand Slam I got a couple of drinks, got weed and some money to spend yeah, That's a Grand slam. slam I'm feeling brand new, like no I can't lose and That's a damn good day to me Said I'm feeling brand new, like no I can't lose and That's a damn good day to me Grand Slam and That's a damn good day to me Pick it up, pick it up. Nah, we ain't slowing down. Pick, pick it up, pick yeah. It up, I'm yeah. that tall, skinny white dude. Born and raised out in Enfield is where I'm still living today. Nah, I never went Hollywood, heaven forbid. And the big up to my hometown for letting me live. I'm feeling it and feeling energized. Like I worked out and got some exercise. It's that game winning goal. It's getting
0: Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902 499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me. When all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.